guy uh, who's the son of a carpenter, 30 years old, you gotta be like, geez, what the heck? I don't know, it sounds right, but how does he know all this stuff? Where is this coming from? How does, wow, this is different. This is different. And in fact, he, he starts to put into perspective where the religious leaders were kind of messing up. And actually, we'll talk about that part next week. But this week, we're going to piggyback on the attitudes that Christians should have, the way they should carry themselves through life, and what they should look like. Right? So the title of the message, it's not really on the slide, uh, Salt and Light is what we'll be talking about, because that's um, kind of what we should be. Uh, but the title of the message, I think, there is in your bulletin, Contagious Christian. We're really called to be really contagious. If you're in that shark tank, and that person comes down with their product, if they're good, by the end, they make you want it. They're like, geez, you know, I, I want to try some of that. I want to you know, get a sample of that, or I want to use it, or I could sell that. Um, so let's take a look. Let's see what Jesus says, you know, what we should be, and why it's important. So he just finished all of the quote-unquote be attitudes, which is what we talked about last time. Now here's what he says. He says, you are salt of the earth. Okay, and remember, he is talking at this point to people who are Christians. They actually believe in it. So he says, you guys are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And then he gives another illustration. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and pray your f- see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So let's just uh, pray real quick. Um, God, we just uh, ask for your wisdom, Lord. From your word, Father, I ask God that you would just um, fill me with your spirit, God. I pray, Father, that you would convict us and show us ways to where we can really let you work through us, Father. We have to let you, Lord. We have to let you. We can be determined and stubborn in our own ways, and you're going to grant us that. You're going to let us have our our free will choice, and if we don't want anything to do with you and we don't want to let you work through us, you'll let us do that. But God, we're going to see this morning that you actually want to work through us, Lord, to benefit others, yes, but to also bless us, Father. And so God, we just ask that you just bless this time. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. So he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled uh, by men. So salt was something they were pretty familiar with, right? And you could do a lot with salt. I mean, especially up here, you know, in New England, you know, you can throw the salt out to melt the ice. You know, you can throw it in your food, get a little bit of flavor. Uh, back then, you know, they could even use it, you know, to preserve and also flavor. It can also be used to uh, heal wounds, right? You get the canker sore in your mouth and you, know, you need the, the warm water with the salt in it and you've know, you got to put it on there. And so it has a lot of different uses. In the same way, Jesus wants to use us in a lot of different ways and in a lot of different contexts. As I was talking with George, when we were talking about this passage, pretty interesting, I said, George, you know, as you read that passage, you know, what, what do you... Uh, you know, what do you think about that? You know, what is... 
what comes to your mind right away? He goes, uh, he goes, a salt lick comes to mind. I said, a salt lick? I said, that was like the last thing that came to my mind. Salt lick. He said, yeah, you know. And he's an older guy. He grew up around here. He is like a Connecticut faithful uh, Waterbury. Really, is where he did most of his living. He's in Prospect now. He said, a salt lick. I said, a salt lick. He said, yeah, you know, the farmers used to have a salt lick there. Uh, the animals used to go over there. Uh, kind of lick on this big thing of salt and they would absorb some nutrients. They'd also uh, get some water and it was kind of like a gathering place for the animals, you know, because they liked it. And he said, uh, salt lick. I said, ah, oh, salt lick. I said, that's pretty interesting. Um, I said, I guess maybe the only bad thing about it is like, that's really salty. That's like a lot of salt. He said, yeah. I said, I, he said, I tried to taste it once, you know, it wasn't very good, but, you know, for the animals, I guess it's not too bad. Um, Another illustration that I read this week that kind of had to do with that uh, was uh, this part um, that I, I came across. It says, as a farm boy, uh, I forgot who, who wrote this. Uh, I think a guy named Hobbs. It says, as a farm boy, I recall that, eat, that when we butchered a hog, my mother salted down the meat by rubbing salt into it. This prevented it from spoiling. The salt was applied to the meat, but, not, but did not become a part of it. As Christians are salt, they must be in the world. But they are not to become identical with its evil system. We are to be witnesses to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Jesus said more about being a witness than about witnessing. We are to bear our witness to the lost. Unless we are a witness by what we are, our bearing a witness will be but empty words. And I kind of like the way, I, kinda, I like that passage because he paints a nice picture of, you know, when he was a farm boy and they put in the meat, but it didn't really become part of the meat, it just kind of seasoned it. Um, but the also very important thing that he talked about there is that as we are salt and as we are part of this world, he threw in another term there. The other term they threw in there was a witness. Right? Witness. And so that's like kind of part, as, part of what God is expecting us to do. And he's got us kind of sprinkled throughout in all different places. You know, a holy huddle is not really something he's really huge into. Right? He sprinkles us all throughout wherever you know, we are. Um, so that way, maybe there's a little flavor to what we do. Maybe there's something that might be a little bit contagious, like a shark tank of what we're doing. And maybe, over some time, over some conversations, over some actions, maybe it might make some people thirsty for the real living water. Right? Making them thirsty for the real living water. And when you kind of look at life, that way, and in that perspective, you sort of approach things a little bit differently. Instead of maybe just showing up to work and just getting my agenda done and getting my grades in, you know, and teaching my classes and kind of getting through the grind, you know, remembering, I don't know, how can I somehow make them thirsty for the living water? Maybe not overwhelm them with a salt lick because that'll probably make them vomit and they'll probably just run away from me. But, Maybe thirsty for the living water. My reputation at school is kind of interesting. Um, and it leads to a lot of conversations. I don't really come out and blast them. But when things, topics do come up, I um, share my opinion probably half the time. And probably half the time I'm listening. Uh, but most faculty, most teachers say, oh yeah, Murph, you know, he's a pretty religious guy. Not really knowing what that means, or not really knowing really what that's about. Murph is a religious guy. He's got this church thing, you know, I don't know, it's, it's pretty good. 
right? So, but I think that there's some flavor there. In fact, I know that there is because it's led to some conversations. Uh, I didn't really have to force it. It just sort of naturally just kind of came out. And so I think that's a little bit as far as like what Jesus is talking about as far as being salt and, and what we're to do. Um, because salt, like it says, you know, with that saltiness, once that kind of taste to it and that draw is gone and that... Um, I guess taste is gone. I mean, it just really has really no use to it. And it's really up to us if we're going to like let God infuse that and really bring that flavor to it to maybe where it's a little contagious and maybe it draws in a little bit. And so that's one illustration that Jesus used. Something they're very familiar with, that they would understand. Um, you know, a material that had a lot of uses and a lot of purposes. And the next thing, um, they would certainly understand as well. So he talks about light and he talks about darkness. So he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Light is a very popular topic in the Bible. In fact, there's one guy who like absolutely loves this topic, this subject, this illustration of light and darkness. <coughs> loves it. Um, his name is John. So if you go through the book of John, and even as it starts off, light, darkness. He's the light of the world. The darkness, the dark things in the world. The lightness, and he's the light. And it's just like all woven through the whole thing. He just loves the imagery of light and dark. I was at a uh, conference one time. I don't remember if I shared this before. But I was at a conference one time and I thought he did a really great illustration. The speaker did. Uh, this guy Francis Chan. Pretty uh, well-known, uh, popular uh, Christian speaker, author, pastor. Uh, and at this conference, it was for um, high school students. And so what he did is, it's a pretty big stage. Uh, it was a unique location too. It was in Salt Lake City in Utah. It's pretty interesting. I learned a lot about the Mormons there. But anyways, he's on this big stage. Uh, they, they kill all the lights and they have him kind of, you know, come out from the back. And so you can't really see, you know, in this back in the stands. You can't really see because all, all the lights are off. It's dark. So he comes on out and he's talking. He's like, yeah, you know, I used to be living my life and doing these different things. And, you know, I thought everything was going pretty good. In fact, my, most of my relationships were okay. I made a little bit of money. I didn't have enough. You could always use more. You know, everything was going all right. And as he was approaching front of the stage as he's talking you can see like the side lights you know they started to light him up so he'd be like approaching and then the lights would be lighting him up and you saw like on his uh, uh, he had this t-shirt on and a picture of like a female on there uh, and then he had um, you know just he had like uh, under both of his arms he had uh, two six packs under both of his arms he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth over here he had like a pocket of like it's probably grass or something in his back pocket and then all the kids you know start laughing and dying and now they're getting they're seeing the illustration of you know when started to come into the light and as he was approaching the light he talked about oh my friend took me to this youth group and he took me to this church and he talked about God and then the light you know was coming out and shining and he was seeing different things like man that is just a great illustration you know of what really happens because I think that you found from last week uh, from that statistic, as far as money and what it can do, for one thing. I mean, there's other things. But as far as like, money goes, like, that could really blind us to what's really going on. And the key thing that stuck out to me in that study um, was that as long as people were making a good amount of money, they felt like they were doing better, even if they weren't. And so that just sort of pacified them for a while. 
and gave him a good reason just to kind of say, hey, my life is going pretty well. The difference being, when Jesus and God actually comes into life, he like shines light onto things. It's a whole nother perspective, a whole nother thing. All of a sudden, this issue and this topic of sin is actually real. This issue and this topic of being separated from God is actually real. You actually see things for what they are and how God really describes them. And then you find yourself that you're like, man, you know, I maybe have to weed, you know, part of that out of my life. And then you start to prioritize differently because the light really now has been shown into it and it's shown into certain areas. And it might not even be necessarily bad things. It just might be that you might notice that maybe your time is all just tied up into one particular thing um, and you just really had no time really at all to spend quality time, you know, with family, um, with your kids. Uh, maybe you had no time at all to really spend time with God and actually pray about important decisions that come up. Uh, you know, maybe before someone could make decisions and they just did a lot of research and asked a lot of smart people and maybe never even considered you know, asking God and actually bringing that in prayer. Or then maybe now when that decision is coming up, um, part of that decision process now is actually prayer. Maybe even some fasting maybe involved in it. Because as you read through the Bible, you see these guys um, before they went uh, on big missions for Christ or if they were in, you know, missions for Christ, it was, it was part of their everyday life. It was just praying and fasting and knowing what's going to come next. In fact, Jesus himself before he was on this hill, before he was teaching, right, he was in the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, fasting, because he knew something big was on the horizon. And sometimes we might know something's big on the horizon, or I can just sense, like, something's it's just weird, it's just, something's shaking, I don't know, something's going on, like, I don't know what's coming next. Maybe it's like, a storm is coming, and I just got to brace myself, or maybe God is just bringing things in another direction, you know, I don't know. But when the light gets shown in there, you understand like, where God might be in that process and I might want to handle it. And so, when that happens, and that's a regular part of life and that's always integrated, the idea is that now you're starting to understand and see life for what it really is, but also other people are watching. And they're like, wow, all this stuff is going on and for whatever reason, they're still heading out to Bible study tonight. For whatever reason, they're still going to church. For whatever reason, you know, they're still tithing and being generous, even though they got almost nothing. For whatever reason, they're doing that stuff. And people notice, and they see that. And the idea is that when we are being a light, not just that we're, like, we're bringing like, positive energy and we're just being really optimistic and we bring happiness there. Like That's nice and that's good. And probably most times, that's what's going to happen. Like you'll, just, you'll be kind, you'll be meek, and you'll be a peacemaker. Most people like to hang out with those types of people. Um, the only times where it might get uncomfortable you know, is when you have to really, you know, if the conversation comes up to Jesus and what he was about and how to live, and that one you, know, you might catch some flack for and it might get uncomfortable. Uh, but people should really notice, you know, that light just oozing, just coming from us, just like that saltiness. Uh, and you'll find that uh, some people won't like it at all because they'd really honestly have their stuff in the dark and just keep it in the dark and they have the light shine on it. Most people don't really receive that well. 
Um, and, and, you know, if you feel like it's your responsibility to shine some light in somebody else's life in their area, I hope you are really delicate with that because that is really delicate stuff. Um, the temptation, you know, if you're on the other side of that, you can imagine somebody would just be immediately defensive right away. Um, but unless it's really given it to them in love and really handled delicately and probably pay, prayed about ahead of time, it'll be received a little bit differently. Um, so you have salt and we have light. And in your bulletin there, that other fill in the blank I didn't give you yet. Both of these center around this. It says, my responsibility is to be a blank and not to blank. Right? My responsibility is to be a witness, not to win. My responsibility is to be a witness, not to win. So my responsibility as far as God is concerned and Jesus is concerned is just to be a witness to things that He has done. And hopefully I've been paying enough attention along the way to notice what He is doing. Because God might be doing things in and around my life and I might not have no clue because I just got blinders on just focused on what I'm doing and the peripheral stuff. Who cares? I just got to get my stuff done. Right? So we're called to be a witness not to win. God will take care of the rest. He'll take care of the other details. But we are called to be a witness. We are called to be light and we are called to be salt. So, let's close with uh, a few thoughts here. Here, one of the three thoughts. After reading this, I think that this should probably be one of your thoughts or something that you should notice. Um, would you like to be obedient to the call of being a witness? I mean, you really got to ask yourself that because that's like really where it starts. Like, do I really want to take part in this thing and be a witness for Christ or do, or do I not? Or maybe on some days you don't and other days you do. I don't know. But overall, right, it doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly, but do you want to? Like, do you actually really want to take seriously this whole salt and light thing? Do I actually really want to be a witness for Christ? And maybe sometimes engage in uncomfortable conversations. Um, and, most certainly, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for any time, uh, have your life maybe completely reorganized. Sometimes it's some scary places. So I think that's one question you definitely want to ask yourself. Do I want to be obedient to this call of just being a witness for Christ? Here's a second one. Because this one might trip some people up. Would my salt and my light message be consistent? Would my salt and my light message be consistent? Meaning, if I'm like out there trying to be a salty Christian, not salty in the sense of like having a bad attitude, but salty in the sense of like having some flavor to your life that you're a little bit different, that Christianity is a part. So if you have some salt and you have some light as far as what's going on and you're trying to be a witness, but yet <laughs> your life is like showing completely something otherwise. You know, you're totally impatient with your wife. Nobody can get along with you. Uh, you're super judgmental and critical. Um, you know, you're not generous at all. Uh, you have a very short fuse. People are going to be like, you know, you're trying to be like this salt and light thing, but it doesn't add up. And, so, and that's what the people in Jesus' day really struggled with because they saw these religious leaders who did a really great job as far as talking about God and having respect for Him and really knowing what everything said. They're really good knowledge-wise, but like it never made the transition like 18 inches between the head and the heart. And so it's just like, what the... 
how the heck are we supposed to do this stuff? That can be very, very confusing uh, to other people watching and uh, certainly for yourself over time because you're going to be like, geez, how come people aren't really responding? How come I don't really have opportunities to talk about Christ? How come I don't notice any doors really opening up? Well, take a look at your message and see how you're doing it and see what things are happening. I think we can all really relate to that one uh, because a lot of people would just say, I don't want to be at church, you know, just because of all the hypocrites that are there. Kind of a lame cop-out, but certainly people try to hide behind it. So here's the last thought. Ask God to help you be salt and light where you are. Actually, in prayer, at your house, in your car, wherever, God, how can I be salt, how can I be light wherever I am? You know, for Julie, most of her time, uh, you know, it's kind of at home these days, and she, it's like a really awesome, huge thing for her to get out and go do something. Even it's like to go to Walmart or walk down the street. You know, for her, like a prayer request like that, where can I be salt and light? And I spend most of my house, most of my time indoors all day. But I tell you what, um, she does a lot of things uh, to actually be salt and light. And that girl's all over the internet. I'll tell you what, oh my gosh. That's sort of like her outlet. She loves the internet. She loves blogging. She finds these other Christian bloggers. They're talking about babies. They're talking about diapers. They're doing all kinds of stuff. She works her one day a week. So we live off like rice, pretty much. So she, she you know, does her one day a week. And she's actually had her coworkers say, you know, when you're here, it's actually different. It's like you're a light to this office. They actually said that about her. I mean, how much you know, better confirmation can you get than from your other co-workers to say, wow, you know, you're actually being a light and actually use the phrase. Tremendous. So it doesn't mean she's been perfect at work. You know, she didn't make any mistakes or she didn't get any arguments with anybody and there weren't any heated discussions because there's been plenty of that. But she's been a light there. They recognize that. I and mean, when she's not there those four days, on a good week, three days, um, it's very noticeable. right? They notice that stuff. So, for you, I don't know where you are and what you do. You know, I have to constantly ask God, geez, Lord, you know, how can I, how can I be a light and salt, you know, where, like, I'm at, at work. It's really tough. The Catholic mind is really tough. Basically, whatever they're telling me, the priests are telling me, that's what I do, and that's how I get close to God, and that's the deal. Whatever they're telling me i got to do, outside of that, I don't have to do anything else. That's tough, and it's ingrained for a while. Um... And if you have some really nice people, you know, in that faith and in that church and, and in a circle for that particular person that's really supported them and been with them, like, you don't want to, unquote, leave the faith and leave your friends. And so, that's very difficult. So i got to ask, you know, Lord Jesus, how can I be a saw? How can I be a light? Help me to be, and probably another one, maybe a number four, you know, help me to be, have like a sensor to just say, oh, this is like a good opportunity for me to say something about God. For me to like maybe throw a verse in. God, help me to be aware, attentive. There's key words, there's phrases that people use when they're anxious, frustrated, down and out. Um, God, give us the sensitivity to notice that. And so you see with all this stuff, as we talk about all of this, right? It all of a sudden becomes a life that's just focused on, you know, kind of outward. And as we kind of take care of that stuff, like God will end up using us, touching us, uh, growing us, and maturing us. It's pretty amazing. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, George said. 
He said, you know, if everybody just did what was in the Bible, it would be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, you got that one locked up for sure. Um, so I would say the one big difference between what Jesus is saying and maybe what the worldly message is. Because I always want to try on Sunday mornings, I always want to try, I don't know how good of a job I do, it. probably not that great, but I always want to try and show you like what God is saying, what the Bible says, and then like what secular thought might say. So I think that secular thought might say, listen, be a positive person, be a better person, um, help other people out, you know, be generous, be nice to them, be the best person you could possibly be. And I, I wouldn't really argue that message too much, except that there's one key phrase at the end of this. It says right at the end of uh, Matthew 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That to me is like, the big one that separates secular thought from what God thought. Because what that's saying is, when you're trying to be that better person and be that you know, shoulder to cry on, uh, be that s person that's there for someone when they're struggling, uh, be that someone who is generous, I don't want to just absorb all that praise and be like, <laughs> you know, I am pretty good. Yeah, actually, I am. I've actually been trying, and thank you for noticing, and that's uh, good. In fact, there's a funny Seinfeld episode where like, he just went around like, doing nice things, and somebody gave him the title of being a really nice guy, and just the whole episode, he's like, yeah, in fact, I am a nice guy, you know? So, <laughs> it's pretty funny, but anyways. Um, I don't want to take all that. What I hopefully want to do is be like, at some point, be like, listen, you know, um, I can only say this, or I can only encourage in this way, because I've only seen God really help me out to do this. And I really think maybe He put me here to maybe just be a help and to be a support for you. So don't necessarily really thank me, but thank God for actually just putting me there to help you out. Because that's who's really doing this. That's who's really calling the shots in this one, whether you know it or not. And that's just, you know, what I believe. And you can put that in your own words and in your own terms in that way. But that message should be the one getting across because at the end of the day, we want them to say, wow, they're such a great person. They're just, they're awesome. They're so nice. We want them to say, oh, I don't know. I never thought, God, I, I guess, thank you. I had no idea that maybe you would have even put that together. Right? That's what we want to do. Have them go to there and not necessarily to us. So that's really the goal. That's the difference between our salt and light than just being a really positive, optimistic person. I would say a lot of those traits and qualities are good, but I want to complete the whole thing with having them maybe go to God and thanking Him. Praising Him in heaven. So what we'll do is, I guess we're going to close this one song. Close with one song. And um, maybe during that song, you could just reflect and ask God some of these questions. Maybe flat out your answer is, I don't really want to be obedient to being the call of a witness. I would be honest with God and just tell Him that. Or maybe you want to. I would certainly tell God that. And then during the songs, you could ask Him, you know, how can I really be a witness? Show me how to do it. And so let's pray before they get uh, set up on the instruments here.